Hi, this is Tony Lloyd. Interviewing people for many years has made me realize that everyone has a life story to tell. Be they sad, amazing, or even inspirational, I want to bring as many human stories to you as I can in this series of podcasts. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd. James Gallagher, thank you very much for joining me on Human Stories. You're welcome. Thank you very much indeed for having me. Now, you've got um, some fantastic stories. I don't know where, where to start with you, actually. But um, basically, um, you're in the, the military industry. But um, when you were younger, you ended up in prison. And you were, uh, joined a gang and so on when you, uh, when you were 16. So let's rewind the clock and start at the beginning so that people can understand how you got into that situation and how you got out of it even more importantly yeah. uh, so, <laughs> so what happened when you were when you were a youngster then when you were 15 16 what, what was your situation there where were you living and what was the problem well my background I have to, I have to go back a bit further okay. um, I'm a pad brat so I was brought up as a pad brat which for those those your viewers don't know it's someone that's a child that's been brought up in a military background because my parents are both in the forces um and i was i was born in ireland um my stepfather um he was in hereford based there um and and then they moved on to uh so, so my mother got divorced um and because i'm originally my family my mother's side is from hereford so my nan's there and all that and uh my stepfather, um, my mother met my stepfather when he was on selection for the for the regiment, um, the SAS, and um, and and that's and we just moved about in the military. Mm. Two years one place, two years another. Um, did he get so on? It was quite, sorry, did he sorry. get on? Did he get on with your stepfather? Is that was that a traumatic Initially, experience? It, it was pretty tough, um, but then I look back in hindsight, bringing up two kids. Um, and they weren't his kids it must have been quite difficult um mm. in that time so um <laughs> so we just we just moved about um and we um we ended up in northern ireland and i remember story well people saying are you a protestant catholic so i, I didn't really know how to uh react because i didn't understand it at all so mm. I, there was a lot of scrapes i was involved in um it was it was always quite hard to try and fit in yeah. with people because moving from one school to another um mm. it always took about a year two years before you start making friends and then you move on yeah so it, my schooling was always up and down yeah and meeting people was a big thing and mm. when i ended up going to tidworth this was the age of about 15 16 my last years at school it was different Tidworth because because we beforehand we used to hang around with the other pad bats because we had that bond if you like but then i fell in with this gang or, or this group of people that live not far from tipper mm. and and i felt a bit of belonging and and i just cut long so short i just rebelled from from an eight month period and i ended up so, sorry Tony, you no, that's right but what pressure was there on you to join the gang um I just wanted a, f a feeling of belonging and I was so frustrated and it's quite difficult to explain really. Do you think but if there'd been an alternative then you wouldn't have joined the gang so maybe you joined the army cadets or the scouts or something would you would that have filled the gap in your life? It did but I, and I actually did join the cadets um, for, for a period of time 
but it was it was just circumstances how I ended up with this group mm. and and I just tried um I helped this guy out and he says oh you're a good bloke um whatever when we was at the youth club and I just I just didn't see where my life was going and and I had so many little scrapes beforehand and this gang sort of brought it to a different level like car stereos and criminal damage mm. and and ABH as well so th these are some of the convictions I had I, I basically got four convictions on my my criminal record but I was um I weren't a person that would go ask because that, that was one thing and I ended up getting three ABHs which does look bad yeah. but I only hit one person but because I never told the police that was other people involved um that that was it I um I ended up getting done for three ABHs so so that's always going to be on my record and that's the most serious yeah. um, which does sure. Looking Just back, looking back, do you think that um, that all happens in your life because of uh, moving around, because you're attached to a military family, or do you think it was uh, down to uh, your your parents um, splitting up and so on? What, what can you put your finger on now, looking back all those years ago? Was it whose fault was it? There's no fault in it. I, I just, I'm not blaming anyone. It's just, it's just circumstance for me. Mm. And it, I was brought, alcohol was a big culture then and probably still is now. I'm not sure, but um, my parents would drink a lot. Um, there was just, there was, I can't really pinpoint why I went down that route, but I, I was abused. Um, young days when I was in Raynham and I'm not saying that could be the reason but there's a lot of things that went on which hmm. I don't really want to go into too much but it's no. just I just rebelled I went on a rebellious phase from that time the last years at school which is which is wrong but it, it was just that and I just needed a I needed something and it, I, I chose the wrong path yeah. initially yeah, um, I, and, I suppose it's it's easy for me to say this, but it's mm. easily done, isn't it? It, it can mm. be easy happen, especially if you find yourself in that sort of environment. So you went, yeah. you ended up. Did you serve uh, a prison sentence in prison, or was it? Yeah, I was. Um, I was initially sent to six months in Winchester on young offenders institution part of it, and um, and then I realised they weren't really my friends. They were just using me because I was easily misled. Um, there's no doubt about that. And and then I messed up in prison doing petty, silly things like trying to dig out to the next door neighbour's sow and um, trying to sell my lace. Sorry, sell my trainers out the window and um, to try and get some cigarettes because I smoked at the time. They're just just silly things. And I ended up doing an extra two months, so I've done a six month sentence. So when it came around to the sentences, you have to do another two months. So I went to Portland Young Offenders Institution. What was it um, like? What was it like in there? Uh, explain to me what it's like to mm. be imprisoned in one of those places. Well, when I first got there, there's a thing called taxing. You, you, if you've got stuff on you, like a radio, you was allowed to take a radio in or a watch or anything that people could use to sell to get bids. You would get taxed. Now I'm glad I didn't really have much at the time. Um, but um, 
I, my parents were getting posted to Minden, so when I did get sentenced, I said you won't be able to come and visit us afterwards because I'll be still serving. Mm. So, so I, I was I was in a bad place at the time. So I just went there and and, and it was tough at first. It was you had to do slop out. Um, you had to go to the toilet in the buckets with with a, your roommate that you didn't know, and it was you could get banged up with someone that's a murderer. And I remember there's a guy, I won't say his name, but he stabbed his father repeatedly. I was, I was banged up with this guy. And I was only hit there for minor offences compared to murder. Yeah. So you don't know who you're going to be mingling with, you see. Mm. And you just learn to, as time goes on, you learn to stop taxing other people. Because if you don't, you will get um, trodden on. You know what I mean? You, it's mm. a, 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 a matter of survival. It's just not a nice place to be, you see. And, mm. and there are some people that, I come across, I think, crikey. Um, but it's one of my life's experiences, and it's it true. It proved me to sort of, nothing can ever get me that. So anything I do now, it's just I've, I've been at the my lowest. <laughs> so yeah. now I'm the only way is up. Yeah, the only way is up. And okay, so what and, did you do when you came out of uh, of prison? Were you did you feel like you you did you have um, any grudges? Did you feel reformed? How did you feel when you came out? Well, when I came out, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go back to my old haunts, mm. and I couldn't anyway because my parents moved on. But what helped me is not having that temptation of going back. Now, I do say to some people, if if you want to try and change your life around, you don't. If you start going back to your old haunts, you're gonna. It's gonna happen. Get the temptation gonna be too much. So, so I decided to leave, and I ended up on the um, at the time it's called the National Offenders. Uh, NACRO, National Offenders Rehabilitation of Offenders um, mm-hmm. Act, which I think is Childline now or something like that. Uh, so they put me in contact with this this couple based near Gosports, and I stayed with them. And they took me under their wing, um, and he was into sailing. So uh, they took me sailing, and I went. There was a company called London Sailing Project. It's now called Rona Trust, and I absolutely enjoyed it. I was doing something totally different. Um, and it just showed me lots of things about teamwork, how to look after yourselves, um, helping people um, not think about number one. It just showed me a lot of things, Sadie, and I'd, I'd advise it to anyone to do. And and that was it. That was the start of my rehabilitation, if you like, to, to being a model citizen. <laughs> This is Tony Lloyd, and you're listening to an episode of Human Stories. I'm talking to James Gallagher, who as a young man found himself in prison, and I find out how he survived and turned his life around. What would you say to somebody who's uh, about to go to prison, possibly, or is about to come out of uh, of prison as a, a young person? What would you say to them? What advice would you give them about life? I would say we've all had experiences. Um, just try to put it aside. Try not to get back involved because you know who you who you really are, who your real friends are. Um, be focused um, and just never give up. Just you, everyone really, I believe, has got a um, has got good in them and they want to do better. But it's finding that outlook, and I just really strongly believe that if you if you cut it ties, do something different, yeah. focus on different life, have a goal, achieve, try and just try to achieve it. And um, 
and just don't give up. Keep plodding on. If if one door closes on you, try another door. Just keep at it. We've got the internet. I think the internet's a massive source to try and get get jobs and do other things. It's just you just if you really want to do it, you'll do it. And and that's what I want to do. And I just think never give up. Just keep doing it and be perseverance is is always the way okay good advice tell me about butlins well yeah i <laughs> butlins again i um applied to join butlins as a barman initially um but again i had this criminal record in the back of my mind for okay so i went along and they didn't really in those days they didn't check to be honest yeah um which was lucky for me um i drove there i worked as a barman and I spent two months there and I got noticed by this the entertainment's manager there because I was good at fairly reacting to customers, I think. And he says, would you like to be a red coat? And I says, I cannot sing or dance. Well, well you don't. He said, you don't have to. You, you seem to be good with customers. And I thought, okay, then I'll give it a go. Um, <laughs> so, so the following day, they gave me the uniform. And since there for two years, I, I was a red coat. And I could, as soon as I walked out my uh, my chalet, uh said, can I have your autograph, please, James? <laughs> okay but why so I just well, keep smiling that was it. so people love Buttons red coats and it was totally different different well so that was my next yeah. stage and uh, and it was it was great you could be you could be yourself and not feel like an idiot and it's just and it was good you're helping people making people laugh um but I nearly got sat once because this I was in this bear I was in this Buttons bear outfit and it was a hot summer's day and uh, big furry feet and had red coats on either side and he had this teenager uh, decided to kick me in the groin area but I was I was fuming underneath so I booted him with my big furry feet <laughs> in his chest and he nearly went in the water but he, you know what I mean he wasn't young he was a teenagerish, and, uh, and I got pulled back and uh, and the, the other red coats pulled me back on and took my my bare head off and <laughs> put, it, put it put it back on and um and that was it. So I was okay, but I spent two years. It was an amazing experience. Mm. I mean, you'd learn so much how to deal with people, and uh, yeah, fantastic experience, really. To be honest, yeah. Happy days. Yeah, happy days. Yeah. Excellent. All right, what happened to you then? Um, you joined the army proper. Well, yeah, I um, I went back to Hereford uh, to see my nan stay there, and I'd done a few jobs working in bars, um, and then I decided. I, walk, I kept walking past careers office and I was thinking, I really do want to join the military because I, I, it was in my blood, you see. Mm. And I thought, I had to wait till 24. I mean, in fact, no, I really had to wait till 30 because once you do conviction, then in those days, you have to wait 10 years for it to be spent for then applying. Yeah. So I thought, all right, okay, I've, got, I've been out for about four or five years now. I'm going to try anyway and see what happens. So I knocked in there, I walked into the careers office and they sat me down and this asked me a few questions and says, right, you could be in within two weeks if you fill any of these vacancies up or you wait till you get vetted and you'll be, you can, you can pick what trade you want to do then. So naturally I'm going to pick, because <laughs> I thought if I can get in the military, I can prove myself then. I'm not this bad criminal with with, the, with this record and that. And uh, so that was my idea. So I picked this Royal Signals um driver trade at first but they did say when you go for your basic training you can um you can tra- change and i want to do better but i had no qualification from the school you see so i was i was fighting an uphill battle um and and that was it i uh two weeks later i was 
I was in to start my basic training Fantastic. in 97. Mm. Um, and was being in the army a happy experience for you? Did you enjoy yourself or was it not what you really expected? It, I did expect it a bit because uh, my father was in. Um, but it was it was different really. It was just, I found it actually hard to try and learn the trade because it was a trade I was on, like the communication side of things. I actually mm. found it really hard and I had many retests. Um, I found it difficult at first. I, I did have a chip on my shoulder, I think, through basic um and it did cause me a few problems so i left with a below average but i still passed i don't you know i was chucked the beans i was actually in um, but i knew one day i'll get a knock at the door when i'm going for my training that the adjutant who does all the admin will knock on the door and say right going and that happened halfway through my phase two training in in blamford which is the signals training depot and at the knock on the door it says yeah Sid Gallagher, we want to we want to see you. Okay, great. So I thought that's it. it might, it's fifty fifty now. Is my career going to will be able to soldier on or whatever? So uh, I went and saw the adjutant, and he sat down. Great bloke, I've forgotten his name, um, but he, fantastic bloke. And he says, "Tell me what happened." And I, and I just was telling you what I said. I was easily misled. Um, I am not that person I was then, and and that was it. And I says, "What does that mean now, sir?" And he says, "You can soldier on," and that was. That was such a great relief. I mm. thought I've made it now. I've, do you know what I mean? I, I'm so chuffed that I've managed to sort of put everything behind me, and now I'm now continuing. I'd, yes, it was tough at times in the military. I actually spent ten years, ten years in the military, and um, as the unit I was attached to was what once we called EOD, uh, which is bomb disposal. I was attached to them for for three years, and again that was hard, but I managed to pass. Because you do need quite a few GCSEs and. Uh, I was chuffed, chuffed the beans, really, to be honest, yeah. That sounds, uh, that sounds like a dangerous uh, job to do in the army, bomb disposal. It, yes, it was. Um, but um, it, it got worse when Iraq and Afghanistan happened, I think. But mm. there's always there's always incidents going on. And sure. I was lucky that I was never involved in any major incidents like mm. that. But it was it just it's just a fantastic experience to be part of something you do for the better good. That's good. Okay, so tell me what you're doing now. Well, now, um, a few years later, I decided to join out and uh, join, join, uh, leave the forces and then continue on a career of security and and protection. Um, so currently, I look after a young child based overseas, um, and I've been with this child for, for five years now. Um, and I've just been doing security beforehand, um, working other families um and then i went down the maritime security route i spent two years there and uh, and i ended up um, being involved in an incident which um there was a, a somalian pirate attack uh, i fired warning shots and that was uh, that was in 2011 um and i think the super yacht group wanted a, um, to do an article on how best protect uh, yachts and that, so I'd done that, and it was just quite a strange experience because I spent ten years on. I've never fired my weapon in anger, and doing doing it on the ships, I ended up firing my weapon in anger, well, warning shots, and uh, that experience. I felt sick afterwards, but I felt a huge relief of that. We we protected this ship. We stood up to the plate. We protected the ship from being hijacked because it would have been hijacked. Cause it was it was a period of quite a few vehicles, uh, quite a few ships were being hijacked in those days. What's made what made you feel sick? Do you think is it just the fact that the the stress of it and the tension? 
it was the adrenaline dump. Mm. It was a case of, I remember the, the, the incident so vividly. It was, I think it was 6.45 in the evening. They were following the ship's wake. We was um, two weeks away from the IRTC, which is an area, which is a corridor near um, near Somalia, where ships tend to go through in in numbers. But we was about two days away from Seychelles, so we had no naval backing um, whatsoever. So we were on our own, um, and the skiff was spotted. Uh, skiff is a small is a small craft they they use. It was spotted uh, about five hundred meters away from the uh, the stern of the ship. And then the initial reaction was to fire warning shots to the uh, front of the skiff. And as soon as that happened, they turned to their port, which is left, and then fired one more, and they returned fire or fired one round. And that's when you go through a process of uh, um, a procedure that you, you try to create the ship's wake, make more of a wake. You, you then have a communications plan. You try to contact relevant parties. Um, and and that was it. The the attempted attack was stopped. Um, we'd done a cl- clearance patrol, if you like, just to make sure everything's okay, because these pirates, they take cats, apparently. I mean, it's like a speed or drug, so they, they can operate for, for many hours. And we had barbed wire on the ship. We had signs saying we are armed and written in Somalian language. But they know the procedures, what ships use. Mm. Um, and and then we done a, um, a check and, and that was it. And we had to. There was a couple of quite a few Filipino crew. We had to get them back out because we've got a safe room. So if an incident happens, all the crew go into the safe room, which is on the starboard or port side of the of the, sh- of the ship. Uh, so we got them out and said we're okay, everything's fine, and blah blah blah. And um, and that was it. And then afterwards, me and my colleague, because we both done this together, we just said, I just felt sick because the adrenaline dump, mm. but a huge relief that we, we stood up to plate when we needed to. Yeah. Um, and that was it. That's one of my biggest experiences, I think. From and presumably from your, your your army training experience uh, stood you in good stead to, to cope with that situation. It, it did. And um, as soon as that happened, yeah, my army experience kicked in. It was aggression. I just even shouted at the captain uh, in some colourful language, get the down and put your body armor on and helmets and that. so everything happened quick but you, you've got to something like that you, you've got to show aggression and uh, mm. and that was it and we, we i suppose that's that. what you were waiting for in in many respects you know that's why you were on that yeah. yacht you know in case that happened yeah because it is quite a rare thing to be to be attacked mm. and to be hijacked to be honest but it does it has happened recently on the news but it's still quite rare nowadays but in though in that time of year um between 2010 and 2012 it was it was prevalent apparently mm-hmm. um and then yeah so i've done maritime school for two years and then other security roles and and i've been with this family now for for five years and um i've, I've just been pretty lucky and when i look back it, it's just yeah I'm, I'm not trying to justify of going into prison or anything like that i just want to try and help people that it's just there's always you can do whatever you want mm. um, if you just keep applying and and, and pe- hanging around with people that you that will be able to help you. And uh, I think that's what you said earlier about uh, break, yeah. breaking away from that community. Is for mm. me listening to you was the best thing that you did because many people mm. re- obviously reoffend and they're just stuck. They're in and out of prison all their life. 
and they can't That's break right. away like you did. So that was probably the, the trick, wasn't it, for you? Yeah, it, it was. And and I, I just, it wasn't me. It's not me. If anyone that knows me is, knows I'm a big softie. I'm not violent. I'm just, it was just circumstance in those days. And it's maybe, when I look back, it's maybe stronger and, and determined. And, and I do, people may think I'm a bit of a dreamer, but it has worked. And like, I'm thinking of writing a um, a TV show or coming up with antidotes to a producer because I, d- I don't really know how this all works. Yeah. And I've I've, man- I've had a contact from a producer now um, based on antidotes working with a child in, in the security industry, mm. um, which I know a lot of children get a lot of bad press lately for stuff going on and, and that, but this is going to be aimed at kids, but more comedic to teach them some skills security skills but mm. that's what it is. so i've had a synopsis written by this production company but obviously the lockdown everything's yeah quiet at the moment so, so that mm. yeah so so that's what i'm doing at the moment now okay. but i'm still working i'm still doing that in my mind and and i just want to um try to help people as best i can and mm. Well, I'm sure I'm sure people listening to this um, who uh, know somebody or who've experienced what you've experienced will benefit Mm. from from your story. Thank you. I do hope so. Thank you so much for talking to Human Stories. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Tony. Appreciate it. Human Stories is a free podcast with no fees paid to contributors in the hope that they'll somehow inspire and help other people. Get in touch if you've got a story to tell. If you or your organisation would like a professional podcast series to get your message across, contact me to chat about the very reasonable costs involved. Human Stories with Tony Lloyd.